And I do think that our superpower really inherently is the community. We used to have this little internal tagline. Maybe we used it for ads too. But it was, you know, come for the training, stay for the community. I'm Larissa Rivers. Uh, I am a running addict and also a senior marketing professional at Strava. Uh, I have three young kids. I live with my husband and my children in Louisville, Colorado, right outside of Boulder. Thanks, Larissa. It's really good to see you again. And, of course, we should note for our listeners that how far are we apart here? Uh, six feet and actually probably like seven feet. So <laughs> We always go so one step further, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> Got to be overachiever. And if you hear an airplane like you're hearing right now that's because Larissa and I are obeying our social distancing and we are outdoors and seven feet apart recording this conversation yes well Larissa this is amazing I'm looking so much forward to this because Strava Strava is fundamental it's part of the infrastructure of running cycling and the endurance sports and yet it's right there, but we don't really hear what's going on. What's what's the real deal? So we're going to get a little bit into that. But first, let's just load this up with you. Yeah. Now, you go way back with Strava, is my understanding. Yes, I've been there for just over eight years. I started in 2012, um, right shortly after we launched our run app. I was the first employee who was there specifically for run. You're the first run employee. There were runners at the company. In fact, the founders were runners and triathletes. Um, but we started, but I was specifically focused on running as a category and the only person there at the time that was doing that. And so there's like, uh, what, uh, 20 million runners on Strava now because of you? <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> but it was definitely my first role at Strava was to grow the number of runners on our platform. Well, you were successful. Well, thank you. (laughs) It was a large group of people that helped make that happen. In fact, most of our growth has come from word of mouth. So a lot of it is really just getting people into the brand and onto the platform. And the platform does the work for us. Now, you were, when you and I met, uh, you were the run marketing manager, I believe. Yes. Yeah, But now you've, I think it's a promotion. Is that right? Yeah, I, I, so we got rid of having categories for um, marketing and I now oversee all of our US brand marketing um, operations. Wow, that's big. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a small company, so uh, well, we all are doing a lot of things at the, at the same well, time. Well, that's the thing, how small of a company is it? Because Strava, again, it's so fundamental. Everybody uses Strava. It's like every day I see Strava, which is not true of anything else. Um, but I don't know that much about it. So a small company, what does that mean? We have 180 employees, um, but over 60 million athletes on our platform. So that's not very many employees per <laughs> athlete that we're serving. Um, well, and someone wrote some really good code. <laughs> <laughs> they did. Yes, they did. <laughs> 60 million. Okay. I just have to hit the pause button here so what percentage of those would be runners uh, cycling was the first for Strava it was yes so what's the rough percentage there we're now at around parity um, between runners and cyclists and then multi-sport is its whole own other category we used to categorize people based on the sport they said that they were interested in like their primary sport we now categorize them based on the activities that they do on Strava and what we found is you know you're an athlete but you do 
multiple sports besides running. You'll come onto Strava, you'll upload your run, you'll upload your ride, you'll upload I'm if you dance, if you could, you'll oh, upload you some. Oh, my question. Oh, wow. You no, so you told smart. me on your retirement party that you want to dance as a category. <laughs> um, but so you would show up as a multi-sport athlete on our platform. So we're really at parity between run and cycling. And then multi-sport is a very large category of the athletes that we serve on Strava. Nice. Good parity. Wow. Excellent. Yeah. So you were the first. That's amazing. You were the first. Did you own stock in the Strava? Well, we're not a public company, so everyone who works at Strava gets some share of ownership through options. Good. Well, if you were yeah. the first run employee, and there's now 40 minutes, there's like 20 million runners. Well, how, many do you, no, how many did you say? Well, yeah, many? that's probably about right, because we were about a third, a third, a third, if you were going to categorize it as such. Yikes. Well, hopefully they've uh, compensated you well, because you've been very <laughs> successful. <laughs> they have. There's a lot of good perks at Strava. I heard that Galen... <laughs> Was the first run ambassador? Is this He was possible? one of the first. I think our actual first was this guy, Eric, who you know, Caitlin, who started Sufferfest Brewing. Oh, yeah. She's the one who hired me at Strava. Um, she was friends with him. He was in our photo shoot, and so she made him a run ambassador. I think around the same time that Galen was. But I remember Eric being one of the first. Galen, JoJo. Yeah, we had like a... A handful of run ambassadors, which is very cool. <laughs> wow. Excellent. Yeah. Well, yeah. Strava's come a long way, and in only 11 years, and long way literally, too, because you opened this office in Denver. Yeah. That was like, what, two years ago? 2017, so three? Or is it 2018? Maybe it was 2018. Yeah, it was two years And who in January. A, a big name was there. It was a grand opening, right? Taking down Looper. Hickenlooper, who yeah, the ran former governor, for president, now is running for United States senator. Yeah, how did you pull that off? <laughs> I mean, so you say, so here it again, here we're again, we're going through this Strava. It's not really a mystery, but you said we're a small company. Yep. But the governor of the state is at your grand opening, giving <laughs> the opening address, saying, "Welcome Strava to Denver." So how would you rate that? I think he, it was a was confluence. Trying to get a premium membership. He's trying to get you to count them. <laughs> He did get a Patagonia puffy jacket that said Strava out of it somehow. Um, but no, I think it was a confluence of events. So at the time, Hickenlooper, as you know, has been a big proponent of small business and bringing business and jobs to Colorado and Denver in particular. And I think a lot of their, you were seeing an influx of tech companies that were coming into Boulder and Denver. And we were one that sort of created this like really nice bond between technology company and the love of the outdoors, which is so very inherent to the people of Colorado. It also happened to be around the same time as OR was coming to Denver for the first time. Ah. So it was kind of this really nice story to tell. It's like Strava's moving to Denver. The outdoor retailer is going to be in Colorado now. We care about creating jobs for people, especially in the outdoor industry, that's so you know inherently important to us. And so, yeah, he showed up. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. I was impressed. Like, yeah, wow. it was exciting. And, and, of course, as usual, the food was very good at the grand opening. Oh, yes. But that's because you're all from San Francisco. <laughs> and, uh, but you and Brett moved here from Marin County. We did. Uh, the power couple of running. Oh, God. I think the unseen power couple, <laughs> because if I may add, your husband, Brett Rivers, started San Francisco Running Company. He did. One of the iconic uh, running stores in the United States. The World Tour, World Ultra Tour, was announced at that store. Uh, I've been to numerous slideshows and photo events there. Mm -hmm. 
but you bailed. He sold the store, and you opened a Strava office in Denver, and here you are in yeah. Louisville outside of <laughs> Boulder, Colorado. We are, yeah. Um, been here just over a year. We love it. It's really, I mean, we love Marin County, too. They're, it's really hard to say <laughs> one is better than the other, but I think just for our growing family and um, the lifestyle here has been really nice. Um, Brett misses the store quite a bit, but now is working for the North Face and helping get them into specialty retailer, retailers, um, which I think is, you know, he validates a lot of that. Brett, I know what it's like to own a store. Yeah, Brett needs credibility. <laughs> he does, yeah. So Brett walks in as a sales rep and says, you should carry this shoe. If I'm the buyer, I'm going to listen to what he says. <laughs> Yeah, he's pretty good about that. <laughs> pretty good about that. <laughs> oh, downplaying a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so you were also able to buy a house here, and you were probably one of the very few people who could consider the uh, real estate values here low. Yeah, Marin County is not cheap, <laughs> 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 and which is partially why we, you know, wanted to get out to. We have three small children. We had no yard. We like to be in the outdoors. Um, we wanted our kids to have that access. And while you can get on trails when they're two years old, it's really hard to, you know, get out of the house and drive to trails as opposed to walking out your back door and being on gravel. Right. Which is really nice. And that uh, six inches of snow on your first June here, that did not dissuade you? No. In fact, uh, <laughs> our house backs up to open space. And so we were, we sort of categorically said our house is ski and ski out. And so we've taken our cross country skis right out the back door <laughs> and done loops in the open space. So right. no, he embraced it. <laughs> this is fantastic. So getting back into how this works. So you sometimes give me kudos on Strava. Always. So do you do that to like 10,000 people every morning when you get up in the morning? I think one of my first, um, not not jobs, but because I was in charge of, you know, trying to help grow, run on Strava, a lot of what people didn't understand about Strava was that it was a social platform. And so it got me into the habit of you'd see a runner join Strava, you'd follow them, you'd give them kudos so that they kind of got in the habit of doing the same sort of thing. So I've gotten in the habit of you know, instead of scrolling through Instagram or some other like news source, it's just like a really positive way to just give people feedback. You know, Do it's you like actually are doing that. I thought you had I'm scrolling your, through. No, there's no bot. I, I don't I have a bot. An, you you encrypted, encrypted, a, um, <laughs> enlisted, and software engineer to write an algorithm to give people kudos. But you're actually doing this. No, I'm actually scrolling. There's also something called a kudo bomb. A kudo bomb. Kudo bomb. That if you if you like open up a grouped activity so if like you and galen ran together i could shake my phone and then like a little interstitial comes up <laughs> and you can kudo everyone that was on that group run i didn't know that yeah it's like a little hidden easter egg feature on strava <laughs> oh, <gee. laughs> wow so i sometimes use that okay that's but that's about as tricky as it gets that's as tricky as it gets <laughs> Well, so the Strava has a, what a history in just 11 years. So at one point, there was the Strava hole, so to speak, the person who was out of my way, I'm going for a KM. Yeah. I don't really hear that much anymore. That seems to have gone away. Is that, did you have difficulty with that? Or is that, hey, this is just going to pass? I think it's been diluted. And that's not to say, you know, that people aren't jerks about it. Um, I think what happened was the... What people loved about Strava, at least initially, 
cyclists, competitors, you could really see how you do compared to other people. And so it was inherently this competition, more the idea of it being a social aspect, though. You know, like you can't compete with someone without there being another person there. Um, and we launched in cycling and, you know, cyclists care a lot about their data. So I don't think it was problematic. It was more just like shifting the perception because if people only saw, you know, white men in spandex going after KOMs, they didn't see themselves on the platform. So from a marketing perspective, what we really did was try to shift the focus away from, you know, that aspect of the platform and more into the social part of it. For the last, gosh, I want to say like four years, the majority of our marketing was focused on runners who race just because it was this huge addressable market that we hadn't really gotten deep into. Um, we also focused a lot on getting more females on the platform. We're still not at parity with male and females. As you can imagine, there's more men who ride. There's more men who tend to be more competitive. Um, but the efforts have worked. I mean, our growth in female running has been over 97% in the last four years. So we're definitely starting to see more of that, um, you know, women and uh, runners, younger people on the platform as we've grown. My granddaughter's on it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> is she over 13? <laughs> she is. So there you go. We're Good. legal. <laughs> Good. <laughs> there are some age <laughs> barriers oh, to being on Strava. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Good. Thanks for telling me that. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, speaking of the, the female parity, obviously Black Lives Matter is yeah. huge right now. If I may say so, there's a lot of turmoil going on. Personally, just my personal opinion, this is good. Because the things they're talking about have been here all along. Yep. And now that it's coming out, it's good that it's coming out. It's good that it's being protested. It's good that people are talking about it. Now, the outdoor industry has talked about this fairly forthrightly, in my opinion. I mean, people have kind of gotten on this. How about Strava? What's does Strava have anything to say? We did put out a statement, uh, gosh, it was two or three weeks ago, um, about our commitment to being an anti-racist organization. Um, we have a product team working right now on a sprint to say exactly like where our at least initial efforts are going to be. I have to tell you that it is the the learning that our company, so we're also doing a marketing sprint that I'm actually leading, um, the learning that we've had has been so profound. Um, I think between like understanding that the outdoor industry comes from a place of privilege. Like it is a privilege to be able to go outdoors. It is a privilege to be able to put a pair of shoes on and not feel afraid that the cars that are coming at you are not trying to drive into you. They're trying to drive around you. Um, it's, a, it's a privilege to be able to afford a pair of shoes in a safe neighborhood where you feel comfortable doing those kinds of things. And so I think that was like a huge learning for us just to understand like the people that we serve come from a place of privilege. That's a second darn, piece is, I just want to say that's an excellent no. <laughs> point. I want to say Thanks. I agree with you in that I, I think, took it, to, took it for granted. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this is how it works. And people are out there waving their hands saying, hey, this hasn't been working like that for me. So good for Strava and for you for acknowledging that we are privileged. And other people, if they're complaining and they want to be on that even par, yeah, we got to yeah. do what we can. Yeah. So I think one of the outcomes of the product sprint was, you know, we're so focused on always bias to action and bias to building and trying to create products that serve our athletes. And the more you learn, it's like the more you need to learn. And so we've kind of taken a shift to bias to learning. Like if we need a week to learn more things so that we know how to serve our black and indigenous and people of color athletes better, 
we need to spend time learning those things before we take action that may not serve them. Like one of the things that we've, we have this product called Metro where we take aggregated municipal data or uh, commuting data to help create safer and um, better infrastructure for cities. And we're like, oh, you know, what if we could use Metro to create better infrastructure for cyclists and, you know, give better access to people in cities and you sort of uncover that it's really not the access that we need. It's that when a black person is riding on a bicycle, he has to worry, or he or she has to worry about whether or not people think they stole it. And that's like not something Metro data can fix. <laughs> that's something that needs to come from, you know, socioeconomic issues that are right. inherent in our society. Right. But at the same time, you have to take note and publicly mm -hmm. say, look at this. Yep, exactly. Good for you. So we're learning a lot, <laughs> but we're very committed to uh, to making our organization anti-racist. Well, would it be fair to say that Strava is a social network for athletes? Mm -hmm. You added photos, what, five years ago? I think even longer ago than that. Five years ago, it was probably when we you could add any kind of photo. We had a sync with Instagram mm. um, pretty early on, but only photos that you uploaded to Instagram if your mm. Instagram was connected to your Strava account and you uploaded within 45 minutes of your run, <laughs> it would be attached. So that's an old Right. I think you asked it. that question. You visited Boulder a number of years ago. Yep. And I, I mentioned photos and you did it. I mean, you did it. Strava I did. did it. <laughs> Strava did it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is amazing because that, it really increases the storytelling. So it's oh, not yeah. just the numbers. Like, here's what it looks like. And when I'm looking to other people, for example, you know, your friends, basically. A good friend of mine is Tony Krupichka, and he's doing mm -hmm. a lot of big, giant gravel rides. And so he posts, you know, five or six photos every time. And that's, that's kind of good to look at. Oh, yeah. The photos are my favorite part. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. You want to see where people went, right? <laughs> and I, I'll take photos. I run the same route almost every day, and I take photos of the same things every time. <laughs> I was, I was wondering if you had written an algorithm to show that you're actually out there doing Davidson Mesa every single day. But no, you actually are doing Davidson Mesa. Every yeah, day. I'm the local legend, by the way. Did you see the new feature we just released? Galen told me about it. I didn't <laughs> see it. So a local, well, let me tell you, tell me what the local okay. legends are. So instead of rewarding you for being the fastest on a segment, we reward the person who has the most grit, determination, and persistence on a segment. Oh. So it's the person who's done it the most in the last 90 days. Oh, 90 days. So it's a 90-day rolling average, which is actually at first when it happened, because I've been on Strava forever, I'm like, I'm going to be the local legend everywhere because <laughs> I've been running on this platform for nine years. Um, but it keeps the competition interesting. Like, you have to keep doing the segment if you're going to be the local legend. And there was one, I loved the, um, Joe Gray's had the FKT. Uh, or course record on the Manitou Incline oh. since like 2015. Impressive time. Yeah. But the guy, and I'm blanking on his name, who's the local legend of the Manitou Incline currently has done it 40 some odd times in the last 90 days. Wow. So you're like, it's pretty awesome <laughs> <laughs> that Joe Jeezy has the, the CR, but this other guy, I mean, he's just doing it. Well, this is good. This is excellent <laughs> yeah. because... Joe Gray is one of the best mountain runners in the world. And totally. He has been for 10 years. No one's ever heard of him. Because, not nobody's ever heard of him, but many people have never heard of Joe Gray because he's not big on social media. Yeah. And Joe told me this in person like uh, six years ago at the Moab Trail Marathon. 
was talking to him like you and I are talking, and he said, well, Buzz, there's two ways to have a career doing this. What's that, Joe? He said, well, you can do a lot of talking, or you can win races. It's like, <laughs> wow, good quote, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> he's taking the win races route. <laughs> yeah, he certainly has. But at the same time, the local legends rewards not maybe can't be the fastest, but yeah. just grit and de- determination. So you've kind of leveled out the playing field a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Well, what else? There's, this could go on for a long yeah. time. <laughs> what else do I not know about Strava that I should know? Uh, did you have you seen our new routes oh, from here the feature? Route builder, right? Where so you we kind up- of drag and drop. It sort of builds mm-hmm. on existing segments to create a new route. Is that right? Largely. So we we basically know where athletes and cycle like athletes in general like to ride like to run do their activities and so we have this base map of all these athlete activities i guess it's called a heat map that kind of informs our routes um the suggested routes that we have so on the mobile app we have a routes from here we call it internally routes from here it's just called routes on the phone but you can basically up you can turn it on give it some parameters you want to go on trails you want some elevation you want to do like 10 miles and from where you are it will give you a route usually optimizes for loops because no one really wants to do out and backs especially galen um, <laughs> i like the, the little ge- some genetics do yeah. along. <laughs> i figured as much um but it's really great because if you're in a new place and you want to do something you want to try and you know, create a unique place to go. You may have not have had a friend that went there before. It's really based on athlete data, and it tells you the best places to ride or run. Wow, routes. Okay, listeners. Yeah. And where do they? Where would they find that? What would they do? That is a subscription feature. So it's basically in your app, um, in Explore, Explore, or in when you hit record, you can see your routes in there as well. Gotcha. Yeah. Basically, so find it. This is something you would do before you went out, just to create yep, something. Yep, exactly. So you can see where you should go. Okay. And yeah. is it possible then to follow it while you're in route, or do you just walk before you go, you look at it and try to memorize it? Before you go, you look at it. No, you put it in a. Um, you can start it. Well, once you put it in your app, then you have this blue line, so you have to keep referencing back to it. We are talking about doing some turn-by-turn nav as a future development. But it does show right now, it shows a blue line, and you just follow that. You'll mm-hmm. see a little blinking dot off to the side. and you just Yes, you'll tell if you're off the trail or not, okay. or off the route. All right. Under Explore, Routes. Yeah. And then once you say, I want to do this, you can follow that route. Yep, so you'll just hit Record on your app, and then it kind of like has the little dot. Oh, once you click, re- tap Record, that's when it starts it. It also syncs directly with Garmin and all of them. Oh. Yeah. Wow. So that's a pretty cool feature, too. I think people in San Francisco are smarter than people who live elsewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you say that? (laughs) I couldn't have figured out how to do that. (sighs) Wow. That's great. Well, Galen was the one who told me about Strava. And I had looked around, like, I'm going to mention names, map my run. It was just, the interface was just too loaded. It's confusing. And I had given up. I said, I don't want to have anything to do with any of this stuff. I'm just going to do what I do. And Galen said, you should look at Strava. It's really good. You're going to like it. I looked at it. It was really good. I liked it. Because it's yep. clean. The GUI yep. is just clean and minimalist. So in that sense, it suddenly occurred to me, Strava reminds me of Apple. A lot smaller than Apple. They yes. part of a budget for <laughs> one hour. It's probably the same as your annual budget. <laughs> but that minimalist look, that super clean look, 
and also to some degree kind of keeping things under wraps you know you don't you don't broadcast a lot of things like you said no. there's the easter egg feature yeah. there that i had <laughs> never even knew existed and you don't often talk about things. you told me how many users there are which is that's not easily found out information i don't think it's easier than you think <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you the secret after. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, we're not a public company, so we're not, we don't have to disclose a lot of things. Um, our founders are really humble people. Um, they're not the kinds that want to flash everything around. And I think inherently we're focused on athletes, um, what athletes need, what athletes want, and that's the most important thing. And I think why we've attracted the talent that we have it was funny when i first started at strava another part of my core part of my job was to remind the engineers that there's a running app because they were all cyclists and rightfully so they could have worked at google some of them had some of them worked at apple and we were recruiting some of the best talent in san francisco but they believed in strava because it was this mission-driven organization and they got to build awesome products about a sport they cared about wow there's that's a one-liner. That's, that's quotable. <laughs> um, so it was really cool. Um, Mission-driven is really do. what people want. Yep. I mean, there's the pay, there's the hour, there's the benefits, but people want to feel like they belong to something that's meaningful. Yep, that's how it feels to work there. Nice. Yeah. Now, the other social network, which we might have heard of, mentioning <laughs> names again, uh, title of a famous movie, in fact, they're going down in terms of reputation. Mm -hmm. You know, Facebook is not looking good. I mean, it's yeah. one of the least trusted companies in America right now. And, of course, one of the most profitable. Mm -hmm. it's, 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 like, uh, it's like standard oil used to be, you know, 100 years ago. It's kind of one of the oligarchies in America, in an yeah. odd sense of the word. And uh, some big companies start boycotting their ads. I've noticed. Like, they, I think their ads are at uh, $40 billion a year. And the outdoor industry led that one. REI, Patagonia said, we I think North Face was the first. Was North Face mm -hmm. the first? Oh, there yeah. you go. And they said, we will not take out any more ads on Facebook because other people are taking out ads on Facebook. They're just blatantly incorrect, sometimes even coming from foreign government. And Facebook just takes it all in and says, thank you, ka-ching. Yeah. And now, this is amazing, Coca-Cola and Ford Motor Company came on board and said, we're not going to advertise on Facebook anymore for the same reason. Yeah, and I heard Coca-Cola was doing it through the end of the year, maybe. Mm. Or at least, did I see, like, for the next three months, and then they're going to evaluate it. So it wasn't just the July boycott that a lot of them started doing, but it was a longer term. So there's term. some ethical concerns. So mm -hmm. Right now, uh, people have time and people have concerns, and they're coming back on the big players and saying, let's be accountable. Let's do the right thing. And I could ask this question, but you've already indicated that Facebook wants to be doing, I mean, Facebook, Strava <laughs> wants to be doing the right thing here. Yeah. Have you had any other issues? So one of the things that we did, there was a Velo News article written about it, so I can talk about it. Um, one of our cyclists on the platform noticed that there were some indiscriminate segment names um, that were not kind. Um, and we took them down right away. Um, but it also opened up a huge window into 
all these people started coming. But this segment's named this. This segment's named this. And it's a lot. I mean, we have 15 million segments on the platform. We're a global company. There's 195 countries that we represent. 15 million segments is a, quite a lot to track down. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we are very focused on making sure that this doesn't happen, like that this kind of UGC doesn't exist, well, sh shouldn't exist on our platform, and how can we figure out ways to make sure that that's not possible and hold people accountable for doing that kind of thing. Okay. So, I mean, I, I don't have, uh, I don't feel for Facebook, but UGC is something that is incredibly murky, and in, on Facebook, there's a lot of it. What is UGC? I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. User-generated content. Ah, wow. I like it. <laughs> but Facebook has a, a lot of people already focused on that. And so they have the tools in place where they, they can say, this is inappropriate, this is wrong, this is hate speech, and not allowed on our platform. Um, and we're working on trying to take those same steps. Good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks. Well, how does... Strava, this is an odd, basic question, but as I think about it, how does Strava make money? I mean, because you have the premium. Subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's not that much money. Um, we, so I guess a good example, not a good example, but it's a good shift away from the Facebook model. We could have gone into advertising. Well, that was what up. That was my next question, yep. of course. Um, it, it's, it's staring you in the face, right? Yeah. You have 40, did you say 40 million users? 60 million. Oh, pardon me? 60 million. 60 million users. That's an easy ad sell. I mean, that's so easy. And it's a, uh, the demographic is outstanding. These are people with, to some degree, disposable income, mm -hmm. upwardly mobile. So the advertisers would just jump at this chance. it's also a niche market so you know what you're getting they're athletes they care about right being motivated they care about the sports that they're doing they care about a healthy lifestyle nike would just pour money down your coffers they didn't have their own app <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't do that but yes no um and this goes back to us being focused on the athlete first we we dabbled in it. Like if you noticed, there were sponsored integrations. So if you uploaded with a Cinto, there would be a banner that says, find out more about Cinto um, that was inherently trying to mimic the athlete conversation you would have. Like, oh, I like your watch. Oh, it's a Cinto. Oh, do you like it? And so it was trying to like play into what a normal athlete would look like. So it was thought of athlete first, but it came across as an ad and people noticed that. Um, and while it's an opportunity for us, we felt that there were uh, a lot more things we were already offering through our software that if we could just get people to pay $5 a month for. Five measly dollars <laughs> <know>. a month. <laughs> Billy Yang, my friend and yours, um, was like, I pay that much and more for an oat milk latte every once in a while. Like, it's not that much, especially for people who are buying $10,000 bikes and shoes every six weeks uh, or $250 vapor flies. You know, it's not something that we should shy away from. And so uh, in the middle of May this year, we made a very strategic decision to shift our paywall a bit. Um, segments... They, they, I don't want to say they like. They cost a lot of money because the servers and the storage and the amount of data that they encapsulate. Like we have to rerun the leaderboard anytime someone runs through that segment. It's a lot of work. It's there's a lot of IP 
that we've put out and to keep giving that away for free seemed like it wasn't the right thing to do. You were giving um, it away. You were giving it away. Yeah. Um, so and when our founders took the, are, but you just changed what you got for a basic versus a premium. Yeah. So you can see the top 10. So Galen never really has to be a subscriber, but he did thankfully. Um, but it, you can see the top 10, um, and it will tell you where you rank, but you won't see who's around you. Um, and it tells you your time and things like that. Unless you're premium. But if you want to, but if you want to, if you're a subscriber, then you see the whole leaderboard. You see where you stack up. You see your past results. You can see if you're improving or not. Things like matched runs, which we now launched match. I guess it's matched activities because cycling is now in there. You know, if you do the same route, you can see if you're getting faster or slower and analyzing those pieces. Um, we change. Well, all of routes is now behind the paywall. So we used to have the web builder uh, was not a subscriber feature, but it now is. Um, so there were smaller things, but we really just put a lot of emphasis behind what a subscription at Strava means. Most of our product development is going towards features that are behind the paywall because we want to invest in the athletes that invest in us. Well, I, I coughed it up. Uh, you'd be happy I appreciate that, Buzz. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, $5 a month coming from me. And, and to be weirdly honest, I, I didn't cough it up for many years. Because you were getting what you needed out of it that's correct yeah and also i was still waiting for you to uh send you a code <laughs> <laughs> am i that transparent <laughs> <laughs> oh boy probably i probably am that transparent <laughs> but <laughs> but not only that but so here's so a couple of things one yeah. is of course run cycle the big two everything else is multi-sport but I do a ton of paddling now. Paddling is much easier on the old knees. And that, you lose all the data. So it's kind of tough. You know, so I record my per mile, all my splits, et cetera, et cetera. But as soon as I upload a stand-up paddleboard session, that goes away, and I just get the one average speed. So I would like to have that data uh, The preserved. splits on there? Pardon me? The splits? Yeah, the splits and things like that. Because I'm not out there putzing around. You know, I'm kind of getting yeah. after it on the board. And I'd like to keep the splits. Unlike, um, you know, elliptical or yoga or things like that. There isn't any splits. I'm going to have to wait, aren't I? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that stuff's, I mean, not a tech person, marketing person. So I want to qualify this with that. Um, I believe that requires a lot of back-end um, calculating that again costs quite a bit of time, money, algorithms that we need to build into right. the platform. And since it's not that highly of a utilized feature on our platform, admittedly, we true. show. Yeah, I'm an outlier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that do it. Last year, we invested a bit into snow sports, mm. so we separated Nordic from. Um, well, I guess the Nordic skiing and alpine skiing always been separate, but for Nordic, we showed elevation gain and loss oh. so that it was really mimicking what you would normally see in the activity. We created maps that looked a bit different so you could tell if it was a snow sport or not. Um, there was something that we did at the elevation that I'm not going to speak intelligently about because I don't understand it, but um, it was, you know, we did try to invest in that during the period of time when athletes we're doing that. I mean, a lot of the cyclists and runners ski in the winter. Great. That's a big help. Yeah. So obviously there's this 
global pandemic here. Mm-hmm. Have you seen a big uptick, or what does this look like to Strava? When I'm out, and you probably for yeah. you too, it's it seems like there's twice as many people out as there was out <laughs> just last year, and so I tend to have my big days on Mondays and Fridays, the Saturdays and Sundays. What used to be my big days is just too crowded, too many folks. Yeah. So what is Strava seeing? Um, I think when the pandemic first hit, we were, since we're a global company, we have um, a country manager in Japan who had kind of started to give us indications of what was happening with people being indoors or on lockdown and schools closing. And so when we first started hearing about these things, we really tried to, again, keep this like athlete-focused mindset on it. And tried to figure out like how we can really serve athletes during this time period. So we launched a solidarity challenge, you know, trying to get people and motivate them to do their activities indoors when they needed to, but making sure that it counted toward this challenge and, you know, do, I think it was like 20 minutes a day for four weeks. Um, we interviewed Megan Roche, who you may yeah, know, lives yeah. in Boulder. Um, she's an epidemiologist and just like, what are the kind of things that you need to do to take into account for a pandemic? Is it safe to go outside? So we did a lot of things around trying to understand how we could better serve the athletes during this time period. Did you see a decrease or an increase in activities? It was more a behavior shift. So in places like France and Spain, where you weren't really allowed like more than a kilometer away from your door, indoor activities shot up, ah. as you can imagine. Um, similarly, like the UK was only allowed out for an hour. And I, I don't I, I actually like I don't know factually if like the number of activities went up, but we certainly saw like a shortness of activities in the UK because they were all complying to their government mandated one hour of time outside. Um, so it was definitely, it was more of a behavior shift that we noticed gotcha. than, Interesting. than anything else. What about virtual races? That's uh, like oh, Zwift for cyclists. Zwift has gone crazy. Yeah, we've had an influx of inbound requests for, how can I make my, like, my event virtual on Strava? How can I create a challenge? We initially at the very outset of the pandemic set a framework for how we evaluated them. So we partner with the New York Roadrunners. We allowed them, we have, we do a certain number of races with them every year. And so one of the races, like the largest half marathon in the year in the United States, they created a virtual half marathon for Brooklyn. So it was really about serving the athletes. We did something with the Gothenburg marathon or half marathon in Sweden um, we worked at the Pat Tillman Foundation. They have like a 35,000 person race that went virtual. Um, Justin Grinwald's, we were, we were planning on doing a 5K for Brave Like Gay. We made it a month long instead of the week long that it was going to be initially so that people around the world could participate in it. Um, I think they, we didn't even put it in our gallery and they had close to 50,000 runners participate in the, in the 5K, which was awesome. So we, we That's a lot. Yeah. So, how so, does this work? If, if someone wants to do this, they send uh, you know, info at Strava.com. <laughs> how do they penetrate it? <laughs> we don't do it for everyone. Um, there's special circumstances, either a large race, a current partner. Um, on the cycling side, we just did a challenge with Kate Courtney, who's a really important athlete for us on the cycling side. Um, the thing is, is we don't have a plug and play uh, platform it's currently. Programming. 
it's custom. It's, you know, mostly my time or someone on the challenge ops time to create the challenge. There's, uh, you know, our community management platform has to deal with any people that don't match or have problems with it. So it, it just creates strain through the organization. It's cost time and money and resources to put them up. Um, we're long term. There's such a huge opportunity right. within that space, especially after this pandemic is over. I don't think virtual events are going to go away um and after this pandemic is over it's not next week no right exactly i mean you're already seeing the new york city marathon was canceled the berlin marathon was canceled the chicago and <laughs> every other marathon is going to get canceled there's no way twenty-five thousand people can run shoulder to shoulder nope well, I wouldn't want to be one of them. At no, either. <laughs> Although, fun fact, the one race I signed up for this summer, um, the Never Summer 100K, is happening. <laughs> like, how, what are the chances? <laughs> um, so, what, is there I'm a not. chance that you're going to create a, uh, a template, an engine, so it could be a little more plug-and-play? Because, like you say, custom programming every single event would be difficult. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, there's not, it's not in the development, but we've had conversations where we need to we're the perfect platform to do something like that um as you know as i said before we have a small company so we have limited resources to put into these kind of things on the api side it's relatively easy if someone has a developer that they can sort of like create the um, pipes that connect to ours and pull the data and you know there's an agreement about the data and how that's shared and when it's deleted um so like the speed project you've heard of them no it's a, uh, I think it's the fifth year it's happening. It's a race that has historically gone from LA to Las Vegas, it takes place over a weekend. It's usually a team of six. They take an RV through the night. Um, the current record is 31 hours and 50 minutes. So it's like a relay ram. So it's a relay race, but they are fast. I mean, these, these people are running like 530 pace. Through the desert. Pace across <laughs> the United States. Okay. And you can do it however you want. So a lot of them will trade off towards the end when it's really hot. They'll run a mile. Someone else will run a mile. And they each run a mile. It's a really cool event. Um, and so we're working with their developer team to create a TSP do-it-yourself wow. race. Well, we get asked at FKT.com this all the time. People want us to put on virtual races, too. Oh, funny. And we can't deal. Yeah. I and mean, we have a grand total of three people none of whom get paid. So uh, I, I definitely feel for you when you say it's a strain on resources. But the opportunity is there. If you want to just go business, yeah. there is an opportunity. But it's hard to manifest these opportunities sometimes when you're just trying to stay afloat. Yep. Yeah. I, it's, yeah, there's a lot of technical pieces to it that, um, you know, we have to manage around. There's also, you know, athlete data privacy is really important to us and so there needs to be a good system in place to make sure that that data doesn't get into the wrong hands so there's a big effort on that part to make sure that anything that we would produce or develop um needs to be considered gotcha gotcha well, this, this is interesting so you kind of still see Strava as a social network for athletes and at the same time a training platform and mm -hmm. at the same time a competitive platform and do you just let these all work themselves out, or do you have any particular goals of what these should look like? Because there's kind of three related but not the same thing. Mm -hmm. There's the social aspect. There's the personal training aspect about just a database of your own efforts. And then there's the competitive aspects. Uh, you, you changed it from KOMs to CRs to course records. Yeah. So how do you, how do you prioritize these if you do? 
I would say, I mean, that's largely what our management team tries to do in our long-term planning. But um, from my perspective, I think there's um, a couple of things. One, and it was like my dream when I first started Strava. I wanted the reason to be why should I get on Strava to be that your friends are on it. Come for the training, stay for the um, stay for the community. Oh, that's, oh, that's a good look. Who thought that one up? Probably our fantastic copywriting team. <laughs> <laughs> Come for the training, stay for the community. Okay. Yep. Um, but, and I think this is something that we didn't, we shifted a little bit where we focused a lot on the social aspects of the platform and not enough on what made Strava inherently Strava and that was the competition piece mm. you know we came out with segments and that was sort of the secret sauce for cyclists it was a thing that sort of made us unique from the other tracking apps and platforms out there and it relied on a social aspect of athleticism that is competition and competition could be anything it can be you know with your neighbor it can be with yourself it can be at the top of the leaderboard Becoming it can be a local legend yeah, yeah, exactly. 90 days. Um, <laughs> I don't think people knew this. So that secret algorithm is out. 90 days. It resets. It resets. Okay. Rolling average. Okay. Yeah. Is, that's um, a, is that a It's a rolling 90 days. Right. Yeah. Um, is that, that's per segment? Per segment. Okay. Yes. And currently, so I should have qualified that, it is only launched in Colorado, California, Texas, Florida, Illinois, New Jersey, and New York. Ooh. Yeah. See, this is, this is insider info. <laughs> I appreciate this. Yeah. Uh, can the segment be of any length? Uh, yes. Yes. And currently it's not all segments. Again, we're sort of in like a beta. large beta phase of this to try and get feedback to understand what qualifies a segment for local legend, if we should be precious about it, or if it should just be all of them the way that the current leaderboards are I for KOM. I give you some KOM. feedback on that, if I may. I'd, I'd love... Love your feedback. I think I'd get rid of these mailbox to mailbox things. I mean, you know, it's all guys trying to just put themselves on the map. So I don't think women are this flagrantly egotistical. These are like hundred meter long segments between their driveway and the mailbox. What are you doing? So that's my personal opinion: is that you know nothing under a kilometer in length. You know, make it make it more precious. Make it more meaningful. Just my our segment team is actually working on segment noise. On what? Segment noise is oh. what we call it internally. There's a lot of little segments and even things like Green Mountain. There's like three segments that you hit along the same route yeah. that some people think is the truth. And there's probably only one that you really think of, like Gregory Canyon to the summit or whatever the right. actual segment is called. So it's trying to figure out like which ones people, our athletes care about the most. And then either hiding those or making them private. Less we had noise. to do this for our Zwift segments. There was so much segment noise and it was really putting a lot of strain on our infrastructure. Good. So they were like these small yeah. segments. And then, so it is. You know, I look at what I do and I, it was like 45 segments. And I was like, what? I don't care about this. I care about bottom to the top. Yeah. Everything else is like, whatever. Who did that? No, it's a, it's definitely something we have gotten a lot of feedback on and are working to make better as we wind up this conversation is there yeah. anything else we should know and anything else that i don't know of course there's tons of things i don't know i let me change that question <laughs> to a little less open-ended than that how about things that you would like other people to know things that are meaningful to you or little easter eggs or anything at all larissa about the platform 
or about you know what's what's for dinner i mean you guys are all amazing yeah. foodies you could uh <laughs> <laughs> just kidding on that one yeah no um Man, I'm trying to think. Local Legends was sort of the secret one because it's brand new and not like totally out in the world, wow. but kind of out in the world. That's good. Um, routes has been a core focus for ours. Um, I'm currently leading a product initiative zone that's going to be focused on goals. Goals. Um, and fitness. And uh, a lot of our like fitness and freshness products that are helping athletes stay fit. Oh. And not too overstrained okay which is a really cool like product feature health that we health have and fitness. the health of your body yes okay don't ask for sleep we're not doing it <laughs> not yet at least Ooh, wow that was quick don't ask yeah. for sleep good i like it no and but, we already you are, i think you already mentioned ads apparently are not in the near future no we have made a strategic decision to focus solely on a subscription model wow Qualified with the fact that we do have um, brands that sponsor challenges. Right. But those are opt-in for our athletes. The only time you'll ever see it in your feed is if a friend joins it. Um, we'll occasionally do our in-app ads that are like little blurbs that almost look like um, activities kind of that right. you'll see the challenge offered but normally because they think you're a runner who runs three times a week you might actually want to join this challenge based on your behavior not because we're trying to put it i in think Strava is extremely low-key in that regard thank you i mean with the amount of users amount of eyeballs you have you could you could you could go to the bank frankly mm-hmm. so i think it's very very moderately managed and strava should be appreciated for that thank you you're, we appreciate that you're welcome um and then of course my last question would be are you going to make dance an official activity? Here I am. Here we are. We're in this concrete room with big bright light shining down on you. The third degree is coming down and leaning over the table. Of course, you're from Philadelphia. I don't think you can be intimidated, can you? I try not to be. <laughs> I don't think you have to try very hard. Just for my children. Um, <laughs> I will put a formal request in Ooh, for you. Thank you for throwing me a bone on that one. I appreciate that. You'll just have to get a heart rate monitor so that <laughs> you can see how hard you're working. Well, swing no, dance but. is a lot more Oh, yeah, some especially in altitude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some other, th- other official activities. Swing dance gets you going. Oh, yeah, I bet. Well, thank you for throwing me a little favor <laughs> on that, Larissa. I so much appreciate it. You're welcome, it. Buzz. <laughs> I hope we talk again. Yeah, same. This was fun. Thank you.